All right, so this is going to be episode two of Blood, Sweat, and Teal. I am C. I am Kyle, again. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the Sharks games this week. Um, we won against Buffalo. That's something. Whoa, Buffalo. <laughs> Did you know that this is the first winning streak they've had against Buffalo in the entire franchise history? That's, um, wow. And the winning streak spans two seasons because it was from, like, March of last season to right now so it's kind of one of those fake streaks so (laughs) go sharks yeah um i was pleasantly surprised i don't know i had a feeling that they would win against buffalo like even with the whole curse situation um i had a good feeling going in buffalo is really bad this year like i know we say that every year buffalo is bad but (laughs) (laughs) like like they're particularly bad like american yager jack eichel has not lived up to his name yet like yeah, <laughs> GM Jack Eichel and the corpse of Evander Kane are carrying that team right now. So, oh, I love Evander Kane. Oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> somehow, uh, <laughs> somehow, Jason Palmonville is just lighting the lamp on Jack Eichel's wing. So they oh, they, yeah, they have for, issues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, I, I had a feeling that game was going to go well, especially. Um, I think not all the time, but there. There are a lot of the times where the shark, this sharks group, that they kind of play really well when they're pissed off, and they they didn't like drop in those first two games. So um, attitude wise, I think they went in the right way to that game. Um, yeah, they looked better than before. They definitely looked like a team that was here to compete, and they flew around and they were they were doing the right things. Um, yeah. To get to get back on track, basically, even though it's only been two games, they needed to do something to get back on track, and it, it felt like they came into that game kind of with a semi wake up call. Not that they needed one, but you know what I mean. It, it's kind of like they were doing the things that you wanted to see, wanted them to do, right? You want right. to see them playing hard, playing fast, and all sorts of stuff, and it just looked better to me. I don't know if it looked better to you. No, it absolutely did. Um, and I think a huge part of that was the line combinations. Um, I think they kind of lucked into a good defense group because that was something the first two games, the defense looked bad. And they they ended up lucking into this kind of defense combination because Paul Martin got injured. Um, well, he, he has a standing injury. He um, had surgery on his ankle this summer. Um, Secret surgery. Nobody knew. <laughs> Secret surgery. <laughs> and, the best um, kind of surgery. So then he, he came into a practice, was there for warm-ups, and about 10 minutes into it, he, he left. Because um, his ankle's been bothering him. So, I don't know. Is he listed day-to-day? Do we know that? No, he, he, got put on lo- he got put on the IR, oh, okay. uh, which means that he had to be out for a minimum of a week, which I believe is coming up due soon ish yeah. but there's been no there's been no talk of yay paul martin is coming back or like right so may, I mean, maybe one of the guys maybe one of the guys that's there every day like gackle or kurtz or whatever knows more and i've just missed it but um he's he's supposed to be coming back he has to be on there for a minimum of a week and then they can do what they want but he's still there yeah so i think that kind of had them luck into these line com- or these defense pairings because um they, they ended up scratching DeMello, which I'm not, like, upset about, but I feel bad for him. <laughs> I feel like DeMello's After- going to be uh, a Matt Nieto situation all over again, where he's not going to get the ice time, and it's going to be his second season kind of as the seventh defender. Um and I'm I'm after seeing after seeing Ryan Ryan and Heed, 
I'm okay with that. I'm, I I was I was I was on the I was on the train of Demello needs to play. I think he can be David Schlemko. That's no problem. And then he came out, looked all right, um, looked okay. And then Heaton Ryan came out, and I was like, nope, we don't need Demello. He can. He's the forgotten guy that got the old guard to the new guard. He's just going to be in that in between murky, and he's going to leave. And we're going to write remembrance pieces about him five years from now and be like, <laughs> hey, remember him? What he could have been. Um, you know, I feel for him, though. You don't really want a player that's been in the organization that long to feel like that, to feel um, frustrated about not getting to play. Um, but they, they're they really good about keeping, you know, right and left pairings um, with the Sharks. So when um, when we brought Ryan up and Heed up uh, into the lineup, then... You know, Ryan's left-handed shot, he's right-handed shot, DeMello is a right-handed shot, so you had to balance it somewhere. I think DeMello's kind of the obvious choice to cut. Um, well, I mean, <clears throat> Brendan Dillon, uh, but no, <laughs> they're not going to do that. So yeah, well, then, it, then, of, it's, then it's Dillon DeMello. Brendan Dillon, though, he's also a left-handed shot, so... I don't care. He could be he could be a no handed shot at this point. I just I just can't anymore. But that's think, a that's a different conversation. That's the Brendan Dillon right. conversation. I think that is part of the issue too with DeMello is that any time that he's in the lineup, they just stick him with Brendan Dillon and call it good. And um since they had Paul Martin out, they kinda had to mix things up a little bit. So you have Joachim Ryan uh partnered with Burns, and then you've got Tim Heed with Brendan Dillon. Um Yeah, and I and I, I like that. I did too. I really liked it. I, I, you know, I kind of, I was hoping that he and Ryan would actually be D partners. Um, but I think that would be Santa, too much fun for Pete DeBoer. Oh my God. It'd be so good. Uh, their chemistry in the AHL, it was really, really good. Um, but I do, I like what they did. I think, um, a lot of the reasoning kind of behind what they did too, was that, you know, you've got the veteran defenseman and, the, the rookie defensemen kind of balancing each other out so that you don't have a single D pairing that couldn't be making rookie mistakes together. So I get it. I liked it. I think defense looked a lot, lot better these last few games. Um, and it's just unfortunate that DeMello kind of gets the short end of the stick there. But the defense looked good uh, in both games. Yeah, they definitely looked improved from... The beginning of the season, and I think that Joachim Ryan should just be on the team permanently now. That that's a guy that needs to be. As much as I love Tim Heat, and Tim Heat has an absolute bomb from the point, uh, I think Joachim Ryan should be on this blue line for the next eight years, and I just agree. just leave just leave him there. Let him grow. I let him really, become a good defender. I just love those those six. I think it's good because you've got a total shutdown pair in Vlasic and Braun, although I would like to see them work a little bit more into their offense. Um, I think it's no, more noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be like a, you know, they don't have to be Brent Burns or even be kind of the Tim Heed, but I, I do think sometimes the puck gets a little lost um, with Braun and Vlasic trying to be playmakers. Um, and I think Braun in particular, because he used to have more of that. Like, two years ago, he he had a little bit... I am I might be messing this up. I'm not even looking at, like, his stats or anything. But I, I just feel like he's he's had a more offensive um, 
capabilities than he's uh, showcasing right now. So that's a little frustrating. But we do, you know, we do have that shutdown pair, and then the other two pairs you've got kind of a guy who can play responsibly and hang on while the other guy does a little bit offensively. And I like that. Or in, or in Brent's, Brent Burns' case, play a lot offensively. Yeah. <laughs> Just or actually, I, actually, I shouldn't even say that because he's got uh, a fat one point on the season. So, uh, <laughs> Burns, what are you doing? Yeah, maybe uh... maybe score some things. Speaking, speaking of points, um, did you know that the top point getters are Kevin LeBanc, which is great for Kevin LeBanc. <laughs> Love him. Um, and them. then Mikel Bodker is second with three, and uh, then there's like three or four guys with two, and it's like it's none of the good players per se. It's not like Thornton, Pavelski, and Burns all have one point on the season. They're all assists. So in Thornton's case, yeah, sure you have an assist, but Pavelski has one assist. Burns has one assist. They're not there. Kachur just has one goal too, right? He doesn't have any. Like it's just uh, one point for. I Kachur think so right too. Now. Yeah, it's not. It's not great, and I mean. If, like, LeBanc having four points and Bodker having three would be good in any other season, but when they're your top two point getters, there, there's some there's some sputtering right. going on on offense because you need the good players to be good, and then you need the role players to step up and also be good. And right now it's just LeBanc of America there doing his thing, <laughs> putting goals in off skates, and nobody else doing yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, even with LeBanc doing so well... Um, you would think that, you know, that means that your whole top line is doing well. And they're, False. they're really not. <laughs> like, yeah, it's LeBanc is doing stuff on the power play, and that kind of makes that top line not um, as productive as you would assume that it would be. Um, yeah, and the power to the PowerPoint point, power play, power play, <laughs> not PowerPoint. This is not school. Um, <laughs> to the power play point, uh, the power play has been better, because they switch to the umbrella kind of situation on number two, but if you look at the power play, it's basically just Kevin LeBanc doing work. It really is. So um, <laughs> it's not. It's not like the power play has been overhauled and is some offensive juggernaut now. It's basically just Kevin LeBanc scoring goals, and it's basically Kevin LeBanc doing his best impression of a number one player on a team. And right. <laughs> I don't know how long you can sustain that with a guy who's in his second season and has never done this before. Yeah. So the power play has looked better and at least it's been getting shots and it's got movement and they switched to the umbrella on power play too, which is for people who don't know is like one guy at the very top on the blue line, then kind of like three guys across the middle and then one guy in front of the net. And those two guys on the wings can go up and down a little bit and it makes like kind of like a, a, like a lazy T or like a, an umbrella looking situation, mm -hmm. um, which is, I'm a big fan of. And, uh, I would like to see maybe that on the first power play or they on the first power play switching to uh, the behind the net because I'm a big team behind the net on the power play guy and getting the defenders to turn around and look behind the net because you can't play. So if Thornton has the puck behind the net, they have to turn around and look at him because they can't just let him do whatever he wants. So when they turn around, it opens up shoot, passing lanes and shooting lanes and guys can move into open space sort of. So I'd like to see them incorporate more because the Kevin LeBanc power play show is probably going to come to an end soon. Hopefully it doesn't, but it's probably going to come to an end just because it can't sustain itself. Right, we all keep saying that the the power play is looking better, the special teams are looking better. Um, our penalty kill, I think, is looking pretty good. Um, yeah, they've they've killed off thirteen straight penalties right. to kills since the uh, so the opening night 
abomination, whatever that was, they've killed off. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, don't get mad at me uh, in the comments if it's wrong, but I'm pretty sure they've killed off every penalty kill since then. Uh, and if they haven't, they've maybe let, let in one goal. So the penalty kill has been good, it, but the power play still needs work. Right, and... Like, you know, I test it. It, it looks all right, but really, it, it really is. Kevin LeBanc is carrying our power play on his tiny little rookie shoulders. So <laughs> Is he tiny? Is Kevin uh, LeBanc tiny? I'm not. He's. I, hold on. Now I got to look this up. We got to find out how tall is Kevin LeBanc. Um, Kevin LeBanc has that classic, like, Adam Brody and girls, like, facial hair going on. <laughs> Where it's like very thin and like he just he kind of he kind of looks like an old timey villain. Like if you gave him like a top hat and a monocle, and he was like Ooh. trying to rob a train, he would like fit in perfectly. <laughs> and I love it. Something about his face just screams New York to me. Like I know he's a New Yorker, but you didn't have to tell me he was a New Yorker. I could just see it in his face. Is he um, really? I always thought he was French because his last name starts with La. So I thought oh, his, I thought he was Kevin the Bank. But, no, he's like uh, Staten Island, like <laughs> oh, like Wu Tang Clan, like real New um, Yorker. Um, no, he's five eleven. So he is he's small ish. Well, like small ish, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. He well, doesn't need to be big. It's not it's not it's not nineteen eighty five. Dame Semenko's not gonna come and right, murder you right. if you're not six three, so um uh, yeah. <laughs> I just in my mind I, I see him like a lot smaller than he probably is, but I also remember like um meeting Timo Meyer and he's just like so massive and like they're both young so in my brain I'm just like no one can be as big as Timo Meyer is. And so then they're... Joe Thornton walks in the room and dwarfs them all. <laughs> yeah for sure. Joe um, Thornton is legitimately like gigantic. Well he's shorter than I am but like he's huge. Joe Thornton's a man. That guy's giant. Brendan Dillon is also very very large. Um, when I, I met really? him in, Yeah I met him in San Jose and uh, I, we went to take a picture together and it, I had it on selfie mode, which was so stupid, um, because I am 5'4", he is 6'4", like, that's not gonna work, <laughs> so I'm trying to take this selfie, and I'm, like, trying to get him in frame, like, so desperately, and I just, I'm, I say, like, oh my god, you are so tall, and he laughs in my face, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should have got him to take the picture, he's yeah, tall, he has, uh, yeah, like, the I arm know, reach. Like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I... <laughs> It would have been smarter, but it was really funny. Um, so yeah, he's just huge. Got a lot of big boys on the Sharks. Um, actually, I was looking at um, some stats and stuff for their games coming up, and like the average weight of our team is over 200 pounds. Like, they got some big boys. They, uh... Yeah, that doesn't seem like super integral to success. I don't know no. if that's by design, because Wilson and Pete DeBoer are super into old school hockey or if they just happen to have huge dudes. So I'm not like, I think they're, aren't they the oldest team now or something like that too? Uh, the average age was, I think 27 and a half. If I, remember. I was just looking at it. I don't remember off the top of my head. Completely, I feel like reading a stat where they're the right. oldest team. It had that anything that really matters until you get like too old or too huge. Right. But, well, um, I mean with, with um, Martin being out and Ward being out, we do it does bring down the actual age. I think of the on ice guys that we're having in because um, you know we've got Ryan and Heed um, replacing Martin, and I think Demello's well, only like Heed like and Heed and Demello are the same age. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, but then you've got like Ryan Carpenter replacing Joel Ward. 
Yeah, and yeah. I so there's Joel, that. And speaking Joel of Ward speaking of Joel Joel Ward, <laughs> Joel, yeah, probably. Uh, speaking of Joel Ward, how do you feel about the the offensive lineup shuffle on the forward core, like the the one through twelve? How they stack in now? Uh, I am the thing is, I am a really big Joel Ward fan. I know he gets kind of torn apart in our comment section quite a bit, but I really I really like Joel Ward. I think he he can still be a productive hockey player. I just don't. Can he though? I do. I, I think so. I absolutely think so. I think that it's not going to be in San Jose anymore. I think that as that window for him being the guy for us is kind of closing um, because we have so many young guys coming in that if we're keeping old guys around, we are keeping Joe Thornton. We are keeping Joe Pavelski. Um, we are transitioning Logan Couture into a veteran role. At this point, to me, Ward, and then I think Paul Martin kind of falls under this for me, too. Those are players that are expendable. Uh, you know, Yeah, they, J- Joel Ward just can't. Joel Ward's a great guy. Uh, he's apparently, like, the consummate pro. He's obviously very in tune with social issues and stuff like that. And he is probably the perfect locker room guy. But yeah. if we're talking about an on-ice product, it's th- the time has come that Joel Ward should probably slot in every couple of games to give some people some break. Maybe in a playoff series against an Anaheim where it slows down a bit, you can put him in. But I don't think... I think moving Joel Ward out of the lineup was the right move. Um, I've never been a Barkley Goodrow fan, so he can stay in the press box. (laughs) But um, that's my personal opinion. I'm sure Barkley Goodrow would actually bring some different elements to the game. But that's neither here nor there. I think moving Joel Ward off of the ice uh, and getting like a Ryan Carpenter in there uh, has really will pay dividends in the end. And especially if they start uh, mixing in uh, like O'Regan and stuff like that, or Sorensen bringing Sorensen mm-hmm. up uh, that, that could really help because Joel Ward just looks a step slow and a, a step old. And he looked that way last year too. And I think it's, I think it's the time has come for Joel Ward. Uh, yeah. I, as much as I am a fan of Joel Ward, I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of Ryan Carpenter. I, and I support anything that puts him in the lineup. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an attempt to move him out of San Jose just after how this roster has looked, um, trying to get value for him. I think um, as far as Gaudreau goes, we will probably see him more when we start playing uh, division games because um, he's kind of that, that big physical kind of play- player. Um, so... That's that's what I think. I think he's going to slot in when we're playing Anaheim, um, maybe when we play the Kings again. Um, Calgary. Edmonton. Yeah, those are the games that uh, I, ideally I think Goudreau would be in the lineup. Yeah, and I don't I don't mind mixing Goudreau in a little bit. I don't. I would rather see Sorensen or O'Regan or if Rourke Chartier didn't have a concussion, I'd like to see him in there. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I think good. We're just gonna have to. Goodrow's on a, a one way now, right? So he, like he's stuck on the on the sharks. He's not waivers exempt. Believe. So yeah, he, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think he might get claimed. He might not. But if you're gonna have him as like your thirteenth guy, fourteenth guy, it's not the end of the world. He can he can slot in. But um, I've liked the changes they've made so far. Uh, one guy I would like to see show up to hockey is Yannick Hansen. I don't know if he's come to the rink yet yeah. or if he decided to where, take where two is weeks he? off. Is he still in? Is he still in Denmark? <laughs> or like, 
I don't know what happened to Yannick Hansen, and I said on the other pod that I, I'm a Yannick Hansen guy, and I think he can really fit in. Nope, I was super wrong. Well, and he he got moved to the fourth line, so that puts him at limited minutes. Um, I think he, I do like him on the fourth line, though. I think um, with Carpenter and Carlson, it's kind of, again, that thing that, uh, Pete DeBoer likes to do and balance out young guys with veterans and I think that's a good fourth line veteran presence but like like you said just like where is he <laughs> um, I know it's, it's like it's, oh my god I don't know like I when, honestly uh, I watched I was watching the Buffalo game and I don't think I consciously was like oh Yannick Hansen that was a good play yeah I don't remember <laughs> thinking to myself Yannick Hansen did something good like you normally can be like a lot of times you can see somebody do something bad, like when Brendan Dillon, when um, Jack Eichel dropped it to Palmville in the slot, Brendan mm-hmm. Dillon's the high guy on the back. He needs to turn his head and look who's coming behind him. He didn't. Palmville gets it, shoots, scores. Right. That's such his life with Brendan Dillon. I don't remember <laughs> thinking anything about Yannick Hansen. Like, he was just a ghost. Yeah. He could have, um, like, you could have played with four guys on the ice, and I wouldn't have noticed that he wasn't there. It just, I don't know what happened to him this season. I, for, it's for early, me, yeah. obviously. <laughs> Yeah, for me, I, I kind of look at it as who am I going to talk about in the recap, you know, who whose name is coming up a lot in the broadcast, and I don't think I heard Yannick Hansen's name once in either game come up in the broadcast or um, have, do anything that would make me think, oh, like, maybe this is something I could bring up in the, the game recap, you know, it's he's just not there. Um, he got moved in the Islanders game. Um, the third period of the Islanders game, Pete DeBoer shuffled the lines, and that's the stupidest thing he could have done, I think. You're not a line blender person? No. Um, I, I, when I first got into hockey, I was, you know, Lindy Ruff's Dallas Stars, who changed lines when he felt like it. So, <laughs> it's a very frustrating thing. I think that chemistry is really, really important, and to, to shuffle lines that are doing well, because that's the thing. The the Sharks were outplaying the Islanders, absolutely. And you've got, at that point, you've had five periods of hockey where those line combinations have been good and successful, and they were down by one, I think, going into the third against the Islanders. Uh, Yeah, I think think it was 2-1. And that, why? Yeah, that seems right. Why would you mess with that at that point? Because then what he did, he put Hansen on the third line with... Bodker, I think, right? He moved Donskoy up to the second line, and then uh, Meyer down to the fourth line with Carpenter, I think, if I'm remembering this correctly. Um, he, he does it, he, he switches them around, but he also, like, switches them switches the switch too sometimes, so he'll, yeah. like, he'll move them again, so it, I know it's hard to keep track in the middle of the game unless yeah. you're specifically writing it down, but he did, he, did, he did mix it up, and the one thing he didn't do was put Hurdle on the first line, right? Yes, no, the first line stayed intact, which is really interesting to me because Kevin LeBanks is the only one doing anything on that line, so, <laughs> like, yeah, that's the line I you just, have confidence I, in, and two of those guys aren't really doing much for you. Like, yeah, and I'm just, surprised he didn't go to, like, went in emergency break glass and put Hurdle back on the Joe's wing because mm-hmm. that's devastating. Um, I also <laughs> tweeted uh, during the Buffalo game, and I think maybe during the Islanders game as well, that I'm good with the Hurdle at center experiment. Yeah. I kind of like him on the wing. Uh, other notable Sharks people have said that like he plays good on the, at center and wing, but it just seems like he's much more of a force at wing. Yeah. Um, maybe that's because he doesn't never gets an extended look at center. Maybe because it's been two games and they switched him off already. And in my mind, I just have like Stockholm syndrome. 
and it's just like a PTSD of him at sea at center. So it just reverts back as soon as he goes back to wing. I have like flooded memories, like, like that Rick about... and Morty episode with the aliens. They just have only good memories Jesus. with Hurdle at the wing. The thing about Hurdle at center and the the kind of push for it is that um, obviously those are people that are looking at the sharks' future, and the sharks' future. We need Hurdle to be a center. We need him to be uh, a number two center. Um, and I, that's a, a weight I think he can carry, and I think he can do it well. However, with this roster and the guys that we have, I'm really liking Hurdle and Couture together. I think that those two, Hurdle playing on Couture's wing is something that's really effective. Um, it kind of makes Bodker, like, less... Useful? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, less of an annoyance on the ice because you've got two really effective guys next to him. Um... Uh, I really also liked last year when LeBanc was on Couture's wing, so if there was some kind of shuffle coming, that wouldn't be something I hate. Um, but I think the as far as the, the center depth conversation goes, because Ryan Carpenter's a true, like, he's a true center, right? Like, that's his natural position as center. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got Tierney, who I'm really loving him centering that third line. Um, but... I don't see Joe Thornton as our number one center. And I think pushing Thornton to more limited minutes, even though Thornton has been, he's gotten a lot of minutes and he's been an effective playmaker, but at the same time, he's, he like ghosts on the ice for extended periods of time. And it's like, I don't know if we're just having him out there to have him out there kind of thing. Um, I think in the long term, moving him down from that first line center would increase our depth if that makes sense yeah but at the same time they don't like even though he's the first line center it's not like he gets matched up against the mcdavid line or the gets left line well maybe against the gets left line but he, he doesn't he gets sheltered in their, his starts and stuff too so it's That's not true. like they actually uh, it's not it's not so much like he's first line in, it's like more like they have a top three lines and they kind of shuffle them around just like i'm i'm kind of a big proponent of getting away with like top three top six whereas you go with pairs where like you have two guys that are inseparable and you find a third for them so like Mm -hmm. joe and joe and then you find a third and then like couture and um donskoy for example and you find a third for them and you know what i mean i'm a Mm -hmm. big fan of that um so i think i think having thornton first on the depth chart is probably because he's the greatest player in sharks history but at the same time he's still effective but yeah, yeah he doesn't he's not he's not out here chasing Connor mcdavid around so yeah, it's not they actually it's brought not that like up he's in the the islanders broadcast i think um they were talking about how that first line came out against the islanders fourth line <laughs> so yeah, yeah yeah so they do that kind of stuff all the time because they want to get them offensive starts rather than in a defensive role whereas the couture line takes on more of that defensive uh defensive role um, right. that that pivot line uh so who do you have the schedule up of who they play coming up this week um we've got uh montreal next on tuesday Whoa, the habs yeah awesome my are... household will be very <laughs> angry at each other <laughs> uh yeah what's your dad think about the habs this season i don't know i'll i'll, I'll ask him right now. i'll ask him right now without swearing oh <laughs> uh, let's see what he says Hey, Dad, on the pod. How do you how do you feel about the Habs this season without swearing? Uh, not very happy. He said not very happy, and he's trying hard not to swear. No, I'm being good because <laughs> it's being broadcast. Yeah, uh, there's still faith. He so. says there's still faith because he's a true <laughs> Montreal Canadiens fan. And Sharks Habs are the next game this week. 
And I'm going to be in Montreal tomorrow night. And he's going to be in Montreal for it, so that'll be that'll be exciting. So we can go text each other. Go. He said, "Go Habs, go!" And then I'm sure he's going to swear at me later. But those that's the feeling. Habs country <laughs> is keep it, Habs Habsland is keeping the faith, but they're not super pumped about the fact that they are shooting two percent. Right. Yeah. They're uh, well. I had mentioned this in the game preview actually for the Islanders and the Sharks is that it was, you know, seventh. Uh, in the Atlantic versus 7th in the Pacific, and now we are still 7th in the Pacific going against, um, or sorry, they were 7th in the Metro because Montreal is 7th in the Atlantic. Am I, I'm messing this up. Who is in what division? Uh, Habs are in the Atlantic. Yes. They are still at the bottom because uh, they lost in overtime to the Leafs, yes. uh, and San Jose is still scraping the bottom of the Pacific. Are the, what division are the Islanders in? Why am I blanking on this? The Metro. All the oh. New York teams are in the Metro, okay, so it's yeah. the New York teams, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, like, Washington and Pittsburgh and Columbus and Philly. Yeah, it's so that weird, like, rust belt. Yes. So they were 7th in their division, and we, w- we were 7th in ours, and now we're going against another 7th in their division, which is Montreal, who has only, also only won one game. They've played one more game than us, though. Um, the the, thing, about, the thing about... Yeah, the thing about Montreal, though, is that they're an offensive volcano ready to explode. Yes. They've had a historically bad start when it comes to, like, luck. I think going into the Leafs game, they were shooting, like, 2.6%. Mm-hmm. Um, and their PDO, for people who get off on fancy stats, they was, like, 91 or 90 or something. I think it was, like, 90.6, which is lower than their backup goalie, Al Montoya's save percentage, which is not how that's supposed to work. Right. So. Um, they've had a really, really bad luck. So if they, if their luck turns around from historically awful to mediocre to just plain old bad, they're they're going to start scoring goals. So well, that that's eventually some team is going to come up on them and absolutely get stomped on out of the arena. So I'm really, really, really hoping it's not San Jose because that would be unfortunate on a personal level and on an ice level because I think Pete DeBoer might get super scared and. <laughs> We might we might see Tim Heed back in back in the AHL and Joachim Ryan might be paired with like Dylan and it it could be Ward back in Goodrow back in it could it could Paul Martin will be back it it could be it, I'm just waiting for Pete DeBoer to uh, get scared enough to put go back to his old old dogs um, but uh, yeah the Montreal game will be fun who do they play after that um, New Jersey they play New Jersey on Friday. Um, that's so that's Montreal's the last home game, right? And then they finally go on the road. Yes. Um, yep. They they head out to New Jersey, and then after New Jersey, we're going to see the Islanders again. Um, the next oh, day. lovely, very next day. So, so we got a back. So in on in theory, trip. oh back. Okay, that's I think that's the first back to back. So in yes. theory, we should see some wins in the next week because they're playing some teams that are struggling and or just are not that great. Yeah. Um, New Jersey's played really well, but I don't think anybody thinks they're going to keep this up. New Jersey's first uh, in the Metro right now. Yeah, well, Vegas is first in the Pacific, but they're <laughs> about to be last real quick. So uh, everybody forget everybody forgets the Vancouver Canucks started 4-0 and last year. <laughs> I so, bring that up anytime someone tries to say something to me about the, the Red Wings right now, because I get a lot get at, of that. Get at me. I'm like, yeah, uh, get at me, Canucks Army. I, I'll take all of your anger. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Do you not remember Vancouver last year? <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> no, it's so... Like, I mean, the Sharks... If the Sharks keep the same lineup... With the with the fun defense, we'll call it the fun defense, um, <laughs> and they keep the offense. Sorry to Joel Ward, but if they keep him off the ice for the next couple of the games, I think we're going to see some wins. I have a feeling that they're not going to beat Montreal 
Carey Price hasn't played very well. It's No, his save percentage the, is bad. Then again, it's still better than Martin Jones. Right now, Carey Price is a 885 and Martin Jones is 881. We're looking real rough. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. Uh, that's bad. So, Carey Price yeah. is not going to be this bad. Well, Martin Jones isn't going to be this bad either. But when Martin Jones gets better, he's going to be like a 910, 912. When Carey Price gets better, he's going to be like a 935. Right. And it's going to well, literally be like shooting against the wall. <laughs> the difference there, though, is too, is that uh, the defense in front of them. I mean, Martin Jones, now that we've got this defense group, this defense group that we lucked into is so good. Uh, I think that he's going to have a little easier time than Carey Price, who has Shea Weber <laughs> in front of him. And Victor Meaty, or Meaty, or whatever. <laughs> I actually really like him, but yeah. I, I know what you're saying, but eventually Carey Price is going to be Carey Price, and yeah. I'm hoping it doesn't... I'm hoping the pumpkin doesn't turn into uh, the carriage. Is that the right analogy? Uh that's the uh, way around. I, I, no, 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 because the, I was going to say Cinderella, but the pumpkin turned into the carriage, I think. So hopefully, hopefully, Carey Price doesn't put his glass slipper on on Tuesday and realizes that he's the best goalie in the world. <laughs> uh, and ho- hopefully, Jonathan Druin doesn't remember that he's the next great French hope uh, and scores five goals. Yeah. But it could happen, but I'm really hopeful for the New Jersey game and the Islanders game again. I think, I think San Jose can bank two wins, especially going on the road, getting away from the home ice, changing it up a little bit. Uh, road trips sometimes bond a team, um, yeah. especially coming off a five-game homestand that's been really long because they've had lots of breaks. So I'm hoping that they can finish because it looked like in the Islanders game they just weren't finishing. They had 40 shots. Mm-hmm. They scored once. Thomas Grace isn't that good, everybody. No, we saw him God, no. in San Jose for a long time. Uh, so hopefully hopefully the finish gets better. I know Joe Pavelski smashed his dick over the over the net some people were unhappy about it i thought it was perfectly fine he's frustrated the team's one in one and four one and three so i mean like you're not going to fault the guy they're obviously snake bitten a little bit it's going to turn around i just hope it turns around quicker rather than later and it doesn't mean that we lose ryan heed Sorensen stays stuck in the a i hope i hope hope these changes kind of are semi-permanent and that we can do i don't know how you feel about the current lineup but I, I feel pretty good about it i think it needs time to just work itself out a little bit um i don't, I don't know how you feel but if you want to go back to the old lineups that are tried and true but no. I, I think they should run with this a little bit <laughs> no, longer i like this i like this a lot i actually feel a little more positive going into the montreal game just because montreal's been garbage and so i like i just don't expect montreal to do well um i and again just a counterpoint to you i'm less um optimistic about new jersey um Corey Schneider is having himself a season already. Um, and, you know, New Jersey's offense is getting there. I mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like we're not, we're going to find ourselves in the same situation where we're not going to be able to score on New Jersey. Um, and that's going to be frustrating. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get, uh, who's their backup? Scott Wedgwood? Yo, is it still Johan Hedberg after all these years? Um Maybe we'll get the backup. I don't know. Uh, I I think I think that there could be some really good things upcoming on this road trip. Uh, uh, so hopefully, hopefully it turns around. It's only been four games. There's only so much we can we can right. talk about in four games right. before we start circling back and stuff. Um, Speaking but, of backups, uh, though, can we can we talk about Aaron Dell? Like, uh, yeah, I love Aaron Dell. I wrote uh, some you, sweet. You know, I wrote some sweet music for Aaron Dell that I think I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna post this week. Uh, just so if you feel sad that he won't start again for 20 games because he lost one. 
Um, I, you know, at first I was a little concerned that we've already seen Arendelle as much as we have in these first four games. Um, just because I don't... I'm, I'm all on, uh, like, big on gesture kind of things, and um, I, I don't think it's a very good gesture of faith towards Martin Jones that we've seen Arendelle. But at the same time, um, I do know that he has a good record against the Islanders. It makes sense these starts against the Islanders. Um, and he looked good. That's a, like, it sucks that, yeah, he looked that good. we lost because he looked so good. Like, I love watching him in net. Um, like I just, he, yeah, he, I, he I think we have to wait. So to, we have well. to see the Arendelle knows his role. So I don't think it's going to affect him too much. And I think we're just gonna have to wait and see how much he gets deployed because it's when it's later in the season after lots of back to backs, like he should play on every back to back. Yeah. Uh, he should, he should play. He should play more getting towards the end of the season, especially if the Sharks are in playoff contention. Yeah. I think with Dell, we just kind of have to like wait and see approach because goalies play less uh, when right. they're back up. So we just kind of have to like wait and see what happens. Um, yeah, and see and see what happens there, and hopefully, hopefully, he gets some more more time. But uh, um, I know you want to talk about the Islanders and Hispanic Night with the yes. Sharks. Yeah. Uh, so we did a whole event on Fear the Fen for Hispanic Heritage Night. Um, you guys. Kind of the feeling that I get a lot when teams do these kind of things is that, you know, it's always a one and done. They they think that they they handled it and it's good. Um, so I just wanted to kind of get some extra um, work out into the the universe, try and make this more than just a, a giveaway that the sharks are doing. So I um, invited some of my friends um, and some strangers um, who are of Latinx uh, heritage to to write on the site and um, kind of amplify their voices because however I feel about this event as a white person is ultimately kind of irrelevant to their lived experiences as a Latinx hockey fan. So um, it went over really, really well. This is kind of my first like big thing that I've done for the site since I took over. It was a really big event um, and it, it just went over really well. We had our first Spanish language piece go up, which was really exciting. Um, and then, yeah, we had a lot of fan posts um, that were just absolutely beautifully written um, and really speak to the importance of kind of growing the sport and, and what that's like um, for marginalized communities. Um, I do think that the Sharks are doing really good things. Um, I love that the the artist who designed the Los Tiburones jerseys, that he is um, a local Latino artist. That is awesome. He uh, They did a little video with him, and he, he did the ceremonial puck drop. So that's all really good and exciting things. I do think that that's just, it's a conversation that needs to keep happening. So throughout the season, we are using like the giveaways and stuff to kind of guide our coverage. Um, but we're also going to be focusing on things like that. Um, I'm really grateful to SB Nation actually for letting me use this platform to kind of um, amplify those voices um, and let them be heard. So you can look forward to more of that, but thank you to everybody who contributed. Um, it was, I think it was a really successful event, but as always, as a, a white person, I, I don't expect that I did anything perfectly, so you are welcome to email me at fearthefin at gmail.com, let me know what you thought of it, and, um, I will take all of that, and hopefully the next event will be even better. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that. That was great. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it seemed awesome from the outside. 
uh, as an even wider, more Canadian person, it, it seemed like a really good uh, jumping off point for a bigger conversation. But I think that's a good place to maybe leave it in a happy place that it went over well from yeah. our eyes and that, that maybe it can help spark a future conversation. Well, not future, an ongoing conversation Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, that, that, that can keep going rather than just a one-off cool Jersey night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, uh, I think, I think maybe we should just leave it there and let uh, all those people that posted really awesome articles just have the end of it. Yeah. Um, definitely go back and read those if you haven't. Um, but yeah, thank you to everybody. That was awesome. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll talk to you guys after we, um, we go see the, the Metro division and see what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. The Glen Metropolitan division. <laughs> so hopefully next week we can talk about some wins rather than be sad or maybe hopefully. we'll just, I don't know, maybe we'll just be perpetually sad this season, but, uh, uh, yeah, go sharks. Uh, I got nothing. I think I'm going to put up some Aaron Dell, uh, Aaron Dell Adele mashups uh, this week because I love the world's okayest goalie and I think he deserves better and who is better than Adele? So uh, maybe I'll throw those up so he won't be sad that he lost. Yeah. Uh, do you got anything coming? Um, Rather just, than your usual busy five million yeah. articles a day? <laughs> yeah, uh, just kind of the usual stuff this week. Um, I will be trying to get this on iTunes. Um, we We had a decent little performance on SoundCloud there. We were just trying to get it up and out there um there have been some kind of technical issues but we will be doing our best this week to get um the podcast on itunes for everybody so that's cool get oh we got new artwork up on the soundcloud um so yeah just uh some technical stuff going on behind the scenes um yeah yeah and if anybody if anybody has any like i don't know i'm kind of freelancing here but if anybody has any questions or like things they want us to cover get jump into my twitter jump into fear the fins twitter uh, I'd be more than happy to discuss your own personal oh, bent yeah, against the Sharks. Like, like, if you want, like a specific player talked about, I, I'm good with that too. Yeah, uh, this is this is this is for the fans. It's not. I like hearing myself talk, but I hope everybody else here likes hearing me talk. So, uh, if the, if there's a specific topic we haven't been covering or should be covering, and somebody wants to let us know, feel free. I'm more than willing to devote some time to it because we devoted two minutes to talking about weights of specific players. <laughs> Um, we can actually, if you want, go ahead, what's your, your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Kyle, K-Y-L-E, Demetrius, D-E-M-E-T-R-I-U-S, uh, super ethnic. Um, <laughs> I'm on the, it's, it's linked in, it's linked in my articles. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's me eating a Big Mac is my profile picture, so you can't miss me. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's it. Um, I am on Twitter at now you see me, um, with C spelled like my name, S I E. Um, and you can also find the podcast on Twitter. We just launched that last week as well. It is BS and teal. Um, side note, I love the shortening it to BS and teal. I think that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> little double entendre there. Um, and then also Fear the Fin is obviously on Twitter at Fear the Fin. Um, the Fear the Fin Gmail account is open to any kind of podcast stuff. Just throw that in the subject line and we will talk about whatever you want us to talk about. Yeah. So <laughs> see you next. So let's leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> next week. All right.